Welcome to the sixth episode of the Mass Musings podcast. My name is Kate DeMont, and I'm the founder as well as a professional photographer, creative mentor, and event producer. I founded Mass Musings in 2012 as a place for creative individuals to find inspiration. Since its inception, Mass Musings has grown into a lifestyle and music collective that aims to connect people through creativity and community. What makes Mass Musings stand out from other blogs is the photography and personality in each post. I make a point to truly collaborate with brands or other artists in order to create unique and authentic content as I believe that is what builds community and how influences me. I'm here today with Meg Jamison, founder of Soulwork, Transformation Guide, Branding Guru, and all-around fantastic human. Meg and I first met via Instagram, how all great relationships start, and immediately clicked. We found each other through a mutual friend and knew instantly the coffee was in order. Since that day, I have learned that Meg is one of the most loving and intuitive people that I've ever met. Her view on the world is unique and refreshing, and her approach to life is open and joyful. Meg uses her gifts to help guide others. Her work spans from mentoring to movement, art to branding, and I'm honored to have her here today to discuss part of her journey as well as some tips for all of you. Meg, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Man, Kate, you almost got me to tears with that intro. Oh, stop <laughs> it. It's all true. I promise. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm I'm. I've been looking forward to this. I know that we've been talking about this for a really long time now. And even just before we hopped on, we started getting into the good stuff before we even pressed record. So I am ready and <laughs> raring to go. Awesome. <laughs> Me too. Um, so why don't we start by just having you kind of introduce exactly what it is that you do and how you connect with people? Yeah. So for the past three years, I have been doing branding for female entrepreneurs specifically in the wellness space. And I love watching my clients go from um, sort of entrepreneurial curious or like entrepreneurial dabbling and move into embracing this full picture of who they are as an entrepreneur and bringing all the little idiosyncrasies of their personality and their story into the brand. And that's the most fulfilling part for me. Um, I also lead retreats and teach workshops I have um, a sort of, uh, we can talk about how it fits in with my overall offering, but it's called Flux Retreats, um, as well as with the soul work. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a generic overview of my work. Um, and I'm interested in many other things like the gypsy life. And I've been sort of nomadically living for the last three years in places like Costa Rica and Australia and Mexico. Um, I lived in a van for a year last year, actually, while I was working and really found that that sense of what I love and travel um, and experiencing new things is actually provides benefit to my clients as well. And they they like my um, my lifestyle, too. I love so, that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. What would you say your favorite place that you visited was out of the ones you just listed? Oh my God. Well, last year, I mean, I went all the way from Maine to California. So I literally stopped everywhere. Um, I would say in the States, I love New Hampshire and upstate New York. I was so surprised as like a Southerner. Um, I'd never ventured up there before. And I just thought, you know, 
I have some friends in that area. I'll give it a try. (laughs) And I was overwhelmed by the beauty in terms of living in my van. That was one of the easiest places because there were so many national forests that I could park Mm. in. Um, And the water there was just crystal clear and abundant. And then, let's see, abroad. I mean, I love... I love Central America, but I think my favorite place that I've visited is Australia. Oh, in terms God. of yeah, in terms of like the mountain beach connection, that's like my sweet spot as a Capricorn. I need water and big hills and mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I am a Cancer, so I for sure need the ocean, but I I got to love the mountains too. There's something about them that just speaks to me. Yeah, totally. Oh my God, I've always wanted to go to Australia. How long were you there for? I was just there for almost a month. Um, I fell in love with an Australian man, and so I decided to test it out, and we traveled Australia um, in our car there while I was working. Um, and they're just, it's so diverse. Like, yeah, in terms of mountains, beaches, deserts, rainforest, it has everything. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, and koalas and kangaroos. <laughs> Cool, so I'm booking my flight now. Got it. Yeah, yeah, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I have a flight on me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, God, that sounds so cool. I I love that we started kind of talking about your nomadic lifestyle because I for sure feel like it has shaped part of your business strategy, too, in terms of how you approach things. But um, when you're teaching – let's go back to these flux retreats. When you're teaching these (laughs) retreats – We've spoken a little bit about it, but I would love to tell everybody kind of more about what that is and how you've kind of um, just gone outside of traditional yoga and really explored more of the movement base that you do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm super passionate about movement in general. I think what I have found as, you know, I moved outside of the traditional yoga, which is is my background, and I've taught in a variety of different spaces to crowds as large as 400 people. Um, and I think that, you know, that's definitely a beautiful realm of embodiment. But what I've found is I have explored movement outside of the yoga space, is that I'm actually able to really heal and process through emotions and experiences. And also, I'm able to try on new ways of being. So um, you can, a lot of times people think about power poses, right? As like these shapes that we take up that actually make us more confident. When you spread your arms and your legs out, it's scientifically proven that you will feel more confident and more empowered. Um, And I think we all understand that on a very basic level. Like if we're walking around with our shoulders hunched over and our hearts pulled back from working at computers, it's no wonder that we have a hard time connecting with people because energetically we're saying like, leave me alone. Mm. Um, So what I explore at Flux with our participants who are only women at this point um, is really like, what shape are you taking in your life? And how does that um, relate to something that you might want to transform or work through? Um, And so a lot of times what you might see from the outside is like a wild ecstatic dance party or, you know, really strange, crazy movements. Like if you looked in the windows of our retreat, (laughs) what's going on in there? Um, But there is sort of a science that not sort of there is a science to it um, and it feels very therapeutic. So I move with the 
with the movement section of our retreat. And then my business partner, Gabby, focuses more on the internal aspects. Mm. And we weave together this program that is ultimately cultivating a space of really deep inner listening, so much so that our our participants really become their own guru or their own therapist. And that it's not a religion or a, a spirituality of any kind, but it's really just tools that have worked for Gabby and I over the years that have contributed to our ability to follow our intuition. And so that's what we offer with Flex. Oh my gosh. That, so fun. <laughs> so many things come up when you talk about that. Um, and it's so interesting because I feel like I have been seeing, and in fact today it was actually a man who went out on a limb today on Facebook and was asking his friends for help and saying that mm. he was going through this time of transformation and change and had never felt so anxious and depressed and felt like a mm. burden reaching out and it it resonated with me but also made me feel some type of way because I really do think that humans need connection to thrive and survive and that you know, what you said, what shape are you taking in your life? I sat up straight when you said that because <laughs> I was like, oh God, right, like, right. you know, that's, that's oftentimes me and that's oftentimes people that I care about. And, you know, mm. why aren't we making that more of a forefront? You know, why aren't we telling people, telling children that it's okay to process feelings and that if you need to go in your room and scream and dance and jump yeah. around, do it. Totally. Um, you know, when we see those things on Facebook that they're teaching meditation instead of detention, which is awesome, you know, <laughs> steps in the right direction. But yeah. I don't know. I just, I love, I love that you guys are doing this. And I guess it brings me to my next question. Like, what have you seen in terms of change from these people after mm -hmm. the retreats? What do they leave with? What kind of energy shifts have you encountered? Yeah. I mean, people come to this work, right? Because they want inner personal transformation. They want to change. There's some aspect of their life or their relationships or the way they relate to other pe people that they want to shift. Um, and typically what we have found is that people walk away with the sense of, oh, I'm not so different from mm -hmm. that woman. Um, oh, it's not so scary to be vulnerable. As a matter of fact, it really contributes to my happiness. Or I don't have to be the best at everything. I just have to show up and share what's on my heart and that that is a gift in and of itself. Um, because, you know, kind of touching back on your last point of this cultural perspective of, um, I don't know, depression or mm. sadness. Is, yeah. I mean, what I see in that is just people that feel... Um, that we have to be the best at sharing our souls or, and, and, and it's not okay to do that until, um, we can be really good at it. And for instance, for instance, like, you know, how many friends do we have that sort of hide away their talents, um, or hide away their hobbies? Like, Oh, well, I, I can't, I can't play you something on guitar because it's, it's a little bit not polished yet. And mm -hmm. I just need to like finish it up and, or like, oh, you know, I, I'd love to show you my art, but it, it's not quite ready and I need to work on this and that or the other and polish it. And even as an entrepreneur, we do the same freaking thing. Like, yep. oh, well, I, you know, I can't release 
my website and until um, I get all the copy perfect and the images are there. And it's mm. like, no, just like put it out into the world. Like right. what's most important is we self-express because what I often say is that self-expression is the opposite of depression and depression is opposite of self-expression. So what do we need to do to move from spaces of sadness or um, self-doubt is to just find the opposite. Um, and and that's what we play with in Flux. And that's why we called it Flux is because we're interested in opposition. Um, and we encourage people that come to our retreats if we notice they show up a certain way. During the course of the retreat, Gabby and I are going to be trying to help them shift into a different way of being or at least find the other side of that way of being. So if someone is constantly like really high energy we're gonna try and like calm them down a little bit and, yeah. and see if there's something to be learned from that that sense of balance or if um what we had we have one woman who is one of our favorite clients she's come to multiple retreats actually and she's so i can i cuss on this podcast absolutely okay she's so fucking nice <laughs> <laughs> and oftentimes we're like jesus just just say what's on your mind. Right. And we really encouraged her in, in lots of different ways. I remember the first retreat, she was like, came to me and she was just like, I don't really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. Like people are having all of these breakthroughs and I'm just, they're not really there yet. And I was like, well, I'm going to shut you in this room for uh, five minutes. You can do whatever you want, but I want to encourage you to get really, really angry because she's had like, she had an ex, husband who's was horrible and um I don't normally talk about people as horrible but her experience of him was that he was horrible and there was just something to get out and um and that's one of the big shifts that we saw like she she kind of stopped being so concerned about what other people thought and that was a beautiful liberation for her (laughs) god I love that that just like I think so many people try to like put on a brave face and they're just like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Fake it till you make it. And I mean, I probably spent the last 26 years of my 28 doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until recently that I was like, I need to figure my shit out because there are just issues that keep coming up and it was standing in the way of not only my happiness, but other people's happiness. And I was taking like hostages and just I had no idea how to express myself <laughs> like it's yeah. at the base of it so it makes me really happy <laughs> to hear that like there are other people who struggle with the same thing and that there are ways to deal with it and that you know like there are people who can be shut in a room and be like okay I need to get angry and I need to process this and move mm. forward and like yeah I'm sure she went into her life moving forward with such a different perspective and was able to just act out of even more love and like her kindness went even farther because her energy was no longer blocked by a lot of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, why do I teach this? Of course it's because it's what I have needed to learn. It's what I've learned throughout right. my whole life. And there have been many moments in my personal experience where people have told me like, oh, you know, you're just a little bit too much boyfriends, for instance, like <laughs> you're just really emotional. And like, it's, it's a lot for me to handle. And of course, like that was my early training. Thank God. Now I date more conscious men who can handle <laughs> it. Um, but, 
I mean, that, that was my training as like a young, I don't know, 20 year old in relationship. Like Mm. you really need to be less emotional and more masculine as you relate. or, you know, even with my parents, like I used to paint like really dark, creepy poetry or Mm. uh, paintings and write dark, creepy poems. And I would sort of, yeah, it was cool, (laughs) really fucking cool. And, um, and my parents would see that and be like, so concerned and so worried about me like oh my god are you gonna are you gonna get like run away or commit suicide like all of these really extreme responses Mm. and really what I needed was my parents to just like hold space for me and see me in my grunge and uh you know my my crumpled sort of state of being I just was trying to like let some things come through so yeah, uh, it's really I mean, that's why it's important for me, because most of my life, I can say I was pretty depressed. I was kind of a sad um, person f- for many, many years. And thankfully, that is no longer the case. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's such an inspiration. And I just I love it. And I love what you said about holding space and seeing you. Mm-hmm. I think that like, through my own personal transformation and growth process, that's been the basis of what I've wanted is just like space to process space to feel Mm -hmm. um, space to be and space to be seen and acknowledged, I guess, for what that was. And, you know, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you, I'm not sure I even know what that looks like still, but I feel like it's a daily thing and you know the more again you talk to people and connect and open up and try new things one thing that's been on my mind lately is I feel like in personal and professional life um just like getting out of my own way and also um just like how do I want to say this I guess getting out of my own way is a good way to say it and like flipping the script a little bit acting out of love instead of fear and like getting Mm -hmm. really honest and oh I guess what I was trying to say was the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results Mm -hmm. and when I really sit down and I look at what I'm trying to do in life and in my job and with mass musings it's like okay some of these things have worked for me in the past and some of them are still working some of them have shifted and changed but I've found that I'm still holding on to certain parts that aren't serving me anymore. And I can't quite figure out why or what that energy block is coming from. And I don't know, do you feel like that has been something that you've seen in your own journey and in your process with others? Mm. Yeah, I'd love to know like what, like if you could clarify that a little bit more in terms of like specifics right now for you in terms of like what you're struggling with I can potentially give a little bit more of of a perspective on it for sure so I guess a good example we'll do a professional example Mm -hmm. um when I first started mass musings it was almost a little disorganized and that was the beauty of it it was this kind of smorgasbord of content and inspiration and it spanned all categories and was so unlimited and that was the beauty of it but throughout my journey of being a professional you know systems need to be created you need to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more organized in order to succeed and I almost feel like along the way I clung to so many of those things because they were working at the time and I'm afraid now of letting go of some of them and 
adapting and changing and overcoming and growing because I don't know, maybe it's a fear of failure. Yeah. I was going to say like, before you even said fear of failure, I heard in that, like that you are listening. Right. And this Mm. is like what I encourage my clients with, like you are listening, you know where you're moving. And the fear piece is the one that has to be pushed through. I have this analogy of the the butterfly process or the transformation um, that I talk about with my clients and going into the darkness is really scary. And so it's important to recognize when we're re-envisioning what our career could be or what our business could be, that it's, it's going to be scary. Like inherently we're sort of moving into this cocoon or chrysalis of like primordial goop almost and we're beginning to rewire and redefine how it all fits together and what I ask my clients to look at is the fear and then I oftentimes ask the question like okay what is failure to you what does that look like and um and and then I just ask a series of questions based on yeah what what the fear in that really is (laughs) and it sounds like you are yeah, getting closer on what that is for you. And I think we all deal with that, especially when attachment comes up. That's mm. what I point to is, is fear. And it's so crazy because when I think about, I totally agree with you for a lot, pretty much all of that. And I think that it's really boiled down to fear and love, which is crazy to me because when I think about certain things, even like sadness sometimes I think is associated with fear. And I don't think that Mm -hmm. I normally would have said that even a year ago, I would have been like, no, like fear is just me being scared to do something because of blah, blah, blah. Or like, yeah, I'm afraid of the dark or something like that. Um, but it's truly deeper than that. And it is connected Mm -hmm. with so many other things. So yeah, Yeah. I know it's part of the journey, I guess, you know, just letting go of those things and truly moving forward and finding what serves you and, I don't know, evolving as humans, I guess, too. Yeah, I mean, possibility is a huge theme for me in my work. And I think um, a lot of the times, as entrepreneurs specifically, it's somewhat difficult to um, vision cast into the future. And, And I have a lot of clients that come to me and they're like, I don't know what the future looks like for me. But when we are able to sit in the meditations that I do and the long visualizations, um, the, this like deep inner essence comes through and the vision of what's possible in the future is so much more interesting than the old paradigm. Um, and that's what sort of pulls them through the transformation process is like, is the calling. Um, and I mean, vision boarding, I think, is a really helpful exercise. It's something that I do for myself, and it's something, obviously, that I do for my clients with branding. Um, But once we get a vision for what's out there, and if we can adopt this mindset, like, that anything is possible, or at least just play with it. Because a lot of people are like, well, it seems pretty idealistic. But if we can just, like, um, play the game. Yeah. What if? What if this were possible? What if I could make a million dollars? What if I could live on a yacht and have a house in Malibu and also in New York and, you know, just like play, then what would be, what would be possible if all of those things were true? 
Um, and I just like to play in the realm of possibility. It's like a fun imaginary game. And yeah, whenever I get stuck, that's what I go to. Like, barring reality, right. <laughs> what I think to be true about it. Like, what if I could go to the moon? <laughs> I know, right? So. Uh, well, I mean, it's funny because I've, I've taught a couple courses on vision boarding and it was interesting mm-hmm. seeing kind of how different people um, project their visions. You know, I had some people who did it a little bit more traditionally, I suppose, where they cut out um, pieces of magazines and did a collage. I had some people who journaled and made lists. Um, Mm. We were teaching one course in a classroom that had whiteboard walls, and I had some students who were literally mapping out their whole life on a wall. And that was (laughs) so cool to see kind of all of the juxtapositions of different thought processes, different brainwaves, different different beings processing their feelings and emotions and thoughts. And I guess it kind of brings me to wanting to shift gears a little bit here. Mm, Um, But also kind of the same with that what if question. I think for me lately, I've been really playing with the idea of the universe and the power that it has. And, you know, in our political climate and in our environmental climate, change is afoot, you know, I think we're all kind of getting to the point where we realize that something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that can be just our own lives and how we want to interact with the world. But you and I were also talking a little bit about astrology earlier. And I would love to kind of hear your experience with that. You said that you've had some clients um, who are astrologists, Mm -hmm. and it's been coming up in your life. But how did you first hear about that? And how do you think it relates to some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, so um, astrology and I have had an interesting relationship uh, for many years as I went from being younger, like in the South, being in a Christian um, environment, going to church. I was always sort of taught that things um, like, for instance, tarot cards and astrology were sort of like witchcraft or um, that they were inherently bad. And I no longer believe in good and bad anymore I'm sort of with you like I believe in love and fear and I believe in the total picture of the human experience and that poles are important for teaching us different things and so I would say even as I was transitioning into the more hippie spiritual space I was kind of like well astrology just seems sort of uh, like voodoo or I can't really figure out like there's no science behind it. Um, And now all of that is irrelevant to me because I see astrology, um, the 12 signs and the 12 houses as a representation of the total picture of humanity. Mm. And I, you know, I actually have one of my clients cards sitting here on my desk. She made a deck of, we made, I made the deck, (laughs) we made it together, a deck of cards that is all of the signs and symbols in astrology so that I can memorize them. And I'm still not super proficient in all of it, but I know that when I look to it as a storytelling device and as a sort of indicator of where I might be on the spectrum, you know, if I'm really in, um, let me think. So, uh, for instance, my ascendant sign is Taurus. Mm. 
Mm. And my descendant sign is Scorpio. And so there's all of this tension that exists. Taurus and um, Scorpio are opposites on um, in the Zodiac. Okay. And so I can oftentimes see where I'm sitting um, if I'm really in like my Taurus sort of like bullheaded phase <laughs> or if I'm more so. But Taurus is also like the, the lover too. Yeah. Um, and so, but it just wants safety. And then my Scorpio side is also like very loving, but some people call Scorpio the sorcerer. Um, and it wants mystery in love. It's like that part of us that's like, ooh, what happens if I don't really understand my partner completely? Um, And so I find a lot of times in my love relationships or in, in my relationships in general, like that's that's the line that I'm walking on. Like, I want safety in love, but I also need mystery. And it's just cool to notice that about myself. Yes. That whenever I feel super safe, I'm so bored. And whenever <laughs> I feel like there's too much mystery and spaciousness, and this is just like, so whenever I feel, I'm going to complete my thought. Whenever I feel like there's too much mystery and spaciousness, I um, feel very unsafe yeah. or insecure. So that's something that we can all understand in terms of the human paradigm. Like those are two poles and we exist somewhere between the two. And so it's just good to know that, that that's a part of life and that's something we all share. I don't know. I find it, I find astrology to be very much like a synchronizer um, mm. in the way in the way that we talk about things and the characters that we apply um, we we did it before like I'm a Capricorn oh you and you instantly understand like some part of my character and yeah. when you say I'm a cancer I get a little bit about you so it's just a new language it's not it's not like spirituality it's just a way of talking about something I that's what I see I I like that because it almost feels like it's breaking it down to more of layman's terms for people who might be a little bit apprehensive to even go there. Um, And I totally agree with you. I grew up (laughs) Catholic in Maine. Like, not that it was, I think I was surrounded by a lot of really loving and open-minded people, but I totally get it in in such a Puritan area. It is witchcraft and it's wizardry and tarot cards are like, calling on spirits that you shouldn't be like a Ouija board in a haunted house and whatever. But it's, it is like a new language. And I started kind of buying into it for lack of a better phrase and believing Mm. a lot of it when a friend of mine told me to read my birth chart. And when I was Mm -hmm. really doing a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out, you know, like in this new transitional time for me, who I truly am, Mm. I want to know everything. I'm taking personality tests. I'm taking birth charts. Like I'm, <laughs> you name it. I'm interested, and I, I want to know more. And it's so funny that you brought up the two poles because I just read a blog post on not wanting to be living in such a polarized existence anymore. <laughs> um, you know, and I want to be able to have that straight style vibe, but live in my van in the mountains or something like yeah. that. And I think it's becoming possible in this new and evolving world that we live in, but it's, it's just so crazy. I think that it's something that we all struggle with is 
you know, black and white thinking instead of the what if like you were talking about. So I love that. Yeah. And ultimately, like the reality, I think, of human existence is that we will continue to bounce back and forth, but or like a pendulum, you yes. know, um, we will just go from one side to the next. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, we know that we're headed towards center. We're headed towards the union. And um, that by knowing both sides, we can really find the center point. Um yeah, I actually have, there's a poem that um, was written by this woman named Margaret Wheatley. It's a book that I have with me all the time. It's like my little like pocket book. And she says, we move between great extremes, feeling great than terrible, energized than exhausted, successful than a failure, accepting than resentful, peaceful than angry, joyful than despairing. And she sort of winds it down by like, these shifts don't mean much. Like every emotion that we have comes and goes. And this is just a part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say in terms of a common denominator among all of the things that I offer with clients, workshops, retreats, that is the most important thing. I will never forget when I read that for the first time four years ago in my teacher training and it stuck with me. I nearly have it memorized <laughs> the whole passage. That, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it is it is possible to be like your van life self and also like a successful, high power entrepreneur. Like right. for me, it is possible to be like a spiritual intuitive and also be um, someone that's very strategic and very focused and off. I mean, I feel in this moment, like I'm, my knowledge of branding is just, um, is wonderful and rich. And that's something that I have to offer that other people don't. Um, so yeah, finding ways to reconcile all the parts of us, I think is really, is really important, not only for our emotional health, but also for the health of our business. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, especially in more creative, um, and, emotionally driven field, I guess we could call it. Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? Um, yeah. I think that it's important to really tap into that too, because at least for me, when I'm writing or when I'm producing content or creating or even collaborating with somebody else, I really need to be feeling like my best self. And mm. it's kind of weird because there's this, I guess, stigma, if you will, that like, artists are depressed because depression breeds good art and whatever. And I think it's kind of an antiquated thought. I think that, you know, sure. There is some really dark art. That's really cool. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier with your paintings. It is really cool. And it's self-expression and that's a, you know, dark emotions I think can be beautiful too. But Mm -hmm. when you're connecting with people on more of a surface level and a business level, I think that it's also important to feel good and feel like you're bringing something to the table and confident and positive. So yeah, it's just really interesting to explore. And I love that you challenge people to do that in your offerings and that you're really helping people push the boundaries while also being strategic with them. Yeah. I also have to say, um, I think yeah, this whole like idea that artists need to be pressed or like the starving, suffering artist mm-hmm. um, is really antiquated as well. And here's what I think about that. So 
I appreciate darkness. I, I love it. I mean, show me the darkest, creepiest thing, and I'll probably be like, wow, that's so rad. Right. Um, and I think that the reason that a lot of artists are depressed is because, and, and I, so I don't deny that that's true. I think there are a lot of artists that are depressed. Yeah. I think the reason that that happens is because they use art as a medium, almost like this other entity to converse with and talk about their process and their emotions and the depth of their darkness. But they have no ability to do that with other human beings. And mm. maybe that's a very general sort of wide swath that I'm sort of, um, making, but think about someone like Van Gogh, who, I mean, given that there were like beautiful sunflowers and stuff, there was a lot of darkness and, and sort of loneliness Absolutely. in his work. And he struggled with mental illness and he was poor throughout his entire life. And, um, so I, I mean, I never met Van Gogh <laughs> many years ago, but <laughs> I would, I would assume that he wasn't like the most um, the easiest guy to be around. And I, and I've seen other artists as well that I think can't really connect the emotions that they feel in their work mm. with human beings live in action real time. And so I would still say that the, um, notion holds true that the opposite of, of depression is self-expression because certainly there is a relief that happens for that individual while they're in their creative process, but that outside of the drawing board or the camera lens or whatever it might be, they can't share that with the rest of the world. And, and I'm saying that because that was my own experience. Yeah. Um, my own experience of being creative for many, many years and not being able to share what was really good. And that was self-imposed, right? I, right. And I couldn't find an outlet or I didn't have the skills to emote. And so I was sad until I figured it out. <laughs> I mean, and you figured it out in a big way, too. I'm actually sitting here at my own desk looking at the calendar that you created that has just been such a light for me this year. Mm. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Meg is an incredible painter, drawer, whatever you want, medium. And she created these calendars with um, prompts, I guess you could call them, that go along yeah. with each month and kind of lead this annual journey of self-discovery. Um, are you going to, did I nail that? Are you going to be doing these again? Totally. I want more in yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, um, <laughs> as every entrepreneur, I'm like, okay, I've created this thing. And now what do I do with it? I've sold several hundred copies through my website, you know, and I do that in December. Um, and I would like to share this more with the world. So I'm thinking right now about how I can get it published. Um, and then, so I will, I will launch what I've created maybe to a more mainstream bookseller, um, which was probably the animal spirit one that I did. That was the first one that I did. It's a little bit more accessible. I find that the one from this year is quite spiritual. <laughs> like, for instance, in July, we're talking about the portal. And actually, it's so funny. I'm looking at mine too, Kate, because it's on my wall. <laughs> the freedom, um, where is it? The freedom in fear is the theme of this month, really. Um, <laughs> there's like a, how do you say her name? Isn't that Nayira Wahid? I, th I would say that, yeah. Anyways, amazing, like, 
amazing poet, when I'm afraid to speak is when I speak. That is when it is most important. And so I think this calendar is really moving in a more spiritual direction. And certainly this next year is actually going to be about um, life and death. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. And so going back to my my more morbid roots, I have a series of <laughs> pieces that I've already created, which are basically people dying wow. in really beautiful ways. Um and it's just been a theme of my year. And so the art comes out of what I'm working with over the year. This past year, I was working with the elements. So that was the theme of the calendar. And now it's all going to be about really accepting death in a beautiful way. Like, I don't, I'm not afraid of that experience. And I want to share um, what I've learned about the beauty and death um, with, with others. So I won't be putting that in a Barnes and Noble anytime. Oh my God. But I have to say though, it makes me so almost relieved to hear you say that. I've been, I mean, I guess I don't know how to describe how I feel about it, but I have lost a lot of family members in pretty tragic ways. And I've experienced death from a really young age. And my entire life, I kind of felt like, um, I had a good handle on grief. And in fact, when I was an English major at Gettysburg, I even wrote several papers on grief mm. and themes and other literature and whatever. And I, I think it's fascinating, but what I've discovered as I've gotten older and you know, the, the mortality of myself and my parents even comes into question. Mm -hmm. I realize that my fear of abandonment is much stronger than I thought it was despite mm -hmm. having, you know, like my parents were great. They knew that I needed to talk to people and I was always afforded those opportunities, but it's so important to not shy away from those hard topics and to talk about it and remember in a loving and beautiful way because it's unavoidable and even boiling it back down to fear and love, I think you can kind of look at death and panic and be terrified and lash out in anger. Or you can look at it as like a beautiful experience that happens to everybody and get excited for what might be on the other side. And of course, those also come with some polarity too. And there's a balance to be found. But I am so excited and like giddy to see how you transform this into a calendar. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's and it's also like it's in my traditional style, which is like sexy naked women, um, which nice. is, is sort of coming my style. It's like, oh, how can we make this sexy? But um, yeah, I think, yeah, we're so afraid of death in our culture and there are many, many other cultures and that's a huge part of the spirituality that I learned in yoga. Like, I mean, the word shavasana literally means like, is, is the death pose. Right. Um, it's, and I, I often, my teacher Rob Loud says, practicing the fine art of dying. I mean, that's really what wow. we're doing when we're alive. And it doesn't have to be so funky to talk about death in our culture. And I think if we talked about it more, we would probably have more incredible experiences in this lifetime. We would go on the trips and, sail across the sea to date the, the guy and right. <laughs> let me out myself in so many other ways. Um, yeah, we'd be hopelessly romantic and have business ventures that fail. Um, and at the end of our lives, you would say, you know, I did this with the end of life in mind. Yep. Um, and have less regret. 
Yeah, and hopefully have made even more of a meaningful impact because of the way that life was lived. Totally. Well, that's exciting and and so important, (laughs) and I love it. And I just, oh, there's so many things. I feel like we could go on forever, but... We should could, Kate, but... (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Save the people. (laughs) But let's, I think we've touched on some really awesome things, and I'm, I'm so thankful for you for being here today with me and sharing your thoughts, and I just... I love it. And I would love to be able to direct people to you. So if, if there are new clients potentially for you listening, where can they find you? How can they reach out? How can they get involved with what you're doing? Yeah. So I have transitioned, um, over the past couple of months, six months, my three month coaching and branding program into a day long intensive. Um, so I have two more spaces in California in September. I have one space in August in Nashville and I have three spaces still in October in Portland. So, um, if there is anyone who's sort of in the creative realm trying to figure out like we've been talking about today, okay, how do I take the total picture of who I am, all of the weird parts and the parts that I don't think make any sense at all to people and bring them all together in one space that's powerful and um, vibrant and true to your essence. Um, Day-long intensive with me would be an amazing opportunity. It's quite a luxury. We um, will have a beautiful space wherever we are and we'll just get into the deep stuff of the soul. And you can learn more about that at www.soul.work slash VIP. Um, And in terms of retreats that I have coming up, we'll be in Mexico in Tulum in March. Gabby and I, we're very excited about that. Um, We'll also be doing something in California in October. Um, And then sort of far, far out, I'll be teaching in April at the Deep Ecology of Wellness at Punta Mona in Costa Rica. Um, So, yeah, those are the opportunities to hang out with me. Cool. I love it, and I will make sure to include all of your contact information and that website that you just said in the notes of this post and podcast. But I just wanted to give you such a heartfelt thank you again for joining me. It's been such a pleasure, and I know that everybody listening is going to get so much out of this conversation. So thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you.